College Hoops fans, we got another week here of Mad About Hoops. Thank you so much for checking us out. I'm Timmy Hall. My college basketball-loving friend is Evil Bald Colin. Evil, we're going to find ways to have fun. We're going to find ways to enjoy. Well, I think that's what our purpose what we is. Love. I think that's what our purpose is with this podcast because we, you probably found us if you're listening to us because of your love for maybe Ohio State basketball or, or just Ohio college basketball in general. And you come to learn that we branch out and we explore the other avenues of the sport. And as someone that watches Mountain West, Big South, Southern Conference, like all pretty much every conference you can name, there's so many different corners in the sport you can turn to that when your team is having a downturn or the program is kind of going in the wrong direction, you can find different avenues to enjoy. You know, and college basketball fans are in all shapes and sizes, right? You don't have to be the lunatic that CB is. I'm not even as big of a lunatic as him these days. <laughs> and I went to a mid-major school. You know, I've got some Weber State basketball in my blood. Big Sky, baby. I'm not even really... Can you tell me how Weber State is this year? Because so I've Weber been a bad St- boy. I'm not even well up to speed on that. Weber State does this really good thing where they, like, start really well because they play a bad non-conference. They're like... Hey, you watch your damn mouth. <laughs> they play... They, they, We're Weber State. <laughs> they play their way to, like, 13-7, and seven, and then you look at their ranking in the... Uh, big Sky Conference, and then they end up being like middle of the table. But they always seem like they could beat everyone in the conference within the last like three to four years. We can get Bo Bishop on here for a segment, and we could do a we could do a killer Big Sky hoops. Do you think his segment. allegiance is to Montana or Montana State? I think, I think his allegiance is to the Dutton Ranch, you know, from <laughs> Ye- Yellowstone. Yeah, no, I, I've been getting on, into that. Yeah. <laughs> on top of that, I I can't ever remember if he's Grizz or. That's the the Mon, Montana's the so Grizz. That's Missoula. Missou- Montana State's the Bobcats. I can't ever remember if he's Grizz or Bobcats. And they're and the Bobcats are in Bozeman. Yeah, but either way, Big Sky Hoops was fun. I talk about the one year that I was a full time student at Weber State, and I lucked out where I was in life. I needed something. You know, you talk about a kid growing up in Northern Virginia and you get moved out to Utah. Snap your fingers. You're, we're going to take you to Utah with the. <laughs> LDS and the different culture and everything. Have fun with that. Going into your senior year of high school, right? So I make it through. I get to Weber State. Thank God basketball was rolling along right there. It was sort of in between their two great runs where they had a famous win against North Carolina with Harold the Show Arsenault. And then a little bit later on, they had Damian Lillard. They have one of the best basketball players that the NBA has seen in quite some time. You know, rank him however you will, but Dame Lillard at a place like Weber State, that's kind of freaking crazy to think about. But the year I was there, 14-0 in the big sky, hosted the conference tournament. Mm -hmm. You know we like that when you're in the smaller leagues. You get some benefit. I do, like the horizon. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. You get some benefit for winning your regular season because you know you can only punch your ticket if you win the conference tourney, so they did that. And it was Eastern Washington was the the legit team that and, year. And, and a great championship game. They always seem to be legit. And they had an NBA dude, too. But he wasn't on that team that we played because that was like 03, like the 0203 season, I want to say, that uh, Weber State won and, and went to the NCAA tournament. I went on a bus trip with the students to have some fun and do it to Spokane. And they played. Oh, wow. Think of Weber State getting a 12 seed, right? Think of any team from a Big Sky Conference grabbing a 12 seed. I mean, that's massive because you don't really see it these days. I think Montana nah. State was a Montana oh, State last year. I think 15. Was a, were 15. they a 15? It's, it's wow. 15, 16s across the board for that league, always. And they were a 12 that year. And they got paired with the Big Ten champs, Wisconsin. <laughs> that was the gift. And it was a great game. It was a seven, eight point margin the whole way through. And 
Wisconsin got the job done. But, hey, you know, it's it's those little memories, right? It's your, it's your past in basketball. You catch on to different teams, right? Wherever you've lived, wherever you've been, you're wearing a lot of different shirts. You're kind of keeping your options out there. You're a big Butler fan. You've got friends that went to Dayton, and so – Butler's not really having a great year either. They're kind of hanging in there. But the Flyers, even though they lost that game to Richmond last week, which we knew they could have lost. I've been to Richmond's arena, actually, and it's it could be a pretty good environment when the team is good. I can't even let you pass by this because you, you blew by this because you knew last what? year around March Madness, my favorite commentator in the game, and he was doing a lot of smaller, like Mountain West, out West games, was Joe oh, Cravens. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who was the head Weber coach, coach of your Weber State team? Is, is he still doing? To? Is he still doing the games? Uh, you don't see him as much now, but once you get closer to like tournament time, you'll start to see him show up on like a Big Sky tournament game or whatnot. And but by goodness, he's got the funniest lines. He's like a country version of Dennis Miller. There you go. You know the jokes that. that Dennis would bring to Monday Night Football. It's he's like the Dutton Ranch version of that for college hoops. But we got a lot to get into. We, of course, will have the Buckeye basketball breakdown as the season keeps sliding. I mean, can we just really? We fired up. They got to be happy, right? Because January is over, CB. That's right. It's done. <laughs> no more January. So they went two and six in this January. Was it two and seven last year I saw? Is, does that sound accurate? Or You sent me some numbers earlier about the biggest winners and losers in the month of January. Oh, and the, the Buckeyes efficiency were metrics. Right, the Buckeyes were, and that was straight of Ken Palm. That's right. And the Buckeyes were right up at the top. Yeah, that was the uh, changes in efficiency meters uh, based off of the Ken Palm uh, coefficient that measures that. And yeah, Ohio State was up there with the likes of like Arkansas, Missouri, and I'm trying to do this from memory. Um, I think DePaul, who of course just fired Tony Stubblefield, uh, Michigan, who hasn't been very great, and Clemson, that's been on a slide ever since ACC play started. So not the greatest company to be paired with. Yeah, and uh, big movers. I mean, you see a team like Maryland in the Big Ten has uh, moved up 22 spots in the month of January. LSU has done some good things. Seton Hall and Florida State and Cal right up at the top. Yeah, Florida State's actually very sneaky, but I think it's also a product of how bad the ACC's been in general this year. But Florida State, for the first six or seven games of conference play, was up there at the top with North Carolina and Duke. All right, so a lot of college basketball to be had, a lot of big games coming up, some good games that have already been logged this week that we want to break down. We'll hit the Bucks coming up in the second segment of this podcast a really dumb thing that we saw that uh, still happens in basketball at certain levels. We also were talking about some of our favorite uniforms in college basketball because a famous pair of basketball shorts popped up on Instagram this week that we wanted to talk about. But coming up, there's a coach that I grow to love a little bit more each year. He pointed out something in his game this week that he called crazy. We'll tell you about that next as we get off and rolling here. It's Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Oh! Oh! Did it, Jerome? <laughs> College basketball. This is March Madness. 
Yes, it is. And, you know, this is a week where the Ohio State Buckeyes didn't get the job done against Illinois at home on Tuesday. But again, more coming up on the Bucks in the second segment. If you are listening to us on the Saturday morning replay on the fan, the Bucks will have played last night at Iowa. We are podcasting before the game. Care to have a prediction for that one? It's a road game, and they went into it with 14 straight losses. I'm just going to assume they didn't get the job done. Well, I was about to road. suggest uh, before we started this today, uh, if we would record two different versions of this in case nah, <laughs> how, our Saturday, why? how why? our Saturday crew would be. No, but honestly, um, it's okay. This will probably be outdated and old by the time I say it, but I don't think it's going to be the greatest outcome for Ohio State on the road against a team that's going to shoot the ball like crazy against a defense that's out the top, outside the top 100 in Kempom and defensive efficiency, which I think they actually, in between the loss from Illinois to the point of getting to the Iowa game, their ranking actually got better because so many teams played horrible defense in the two days or two to three days between that game or those games. And it's uh, it's tough, man. It's just really tough to watch, but hopefully they can get something figured out. Let's just do two quick versions right now. Oh, sorry, Bucks. It was close. It was real close, but you fought hard and you lost. And then here's the other version. Hey, Bucks, way to go. Way to go. Good job there. That's a hell of a win. You're going to come back home for a couple now. That's what you needed to spark this thing to get it going. But no, I, I go to this. The, the big game that I was watching on Wednesday night, always interested to see what a Big Ten riser is going to do on the road at one of the best places. And I, from all, from all looks of it, hard-pressed to say that Purdue is going to lose a game at Mackey. They're, t- they're just too good, right? 19-2 and two going into that game. Yeah, I mean, thinking about the teams in the Big Ten, they don't match up well with what hurts Purdue, other than actually, ironically, Northwestern, which is small, fast, really good card play. That's what's always going to give Purdue fits with the way they're currently constructed. And outside of Northwestern, I really can't see the type of team that's going to go in there and do that. No, no, I don't think anyone's going in there to do that. And case in point, Northwestern gave them a hell of a shot. This was a really good basketball game. I was surprised to see how Northwestern hung in there the entire way. And there was something in the box score. It was as big of a disparity as you are ever going to see. Purdue at the free throw line. And again, great game. Boo Booey had a look at the end of regulation where he was able to knife into the paint. Tie game had a little runner like right from the left elbow. A shot that you would live with. 10 times out of 10 in a tie game situation, not settling for three, lofted it over Zach Eady just short on the rim, or Northwestern beats the Boilers. But that's not how it works. You almost always know if you take them to OT, you get that reset. They're going to start going back into Eady, who had 30 and 15 and was 11 for 14 from the field. Was getting that Big Ten whistle for sure. Oh, yeah. He wasn't good from the line, which is why you definitely wanted to go to a hack and Eady at one point there and just not let him put his armpits in the hoop 29 of 46 Purdue from the line. They had 46 free throws to Northwestern's eight. And it looked like there was contact on both sides. It looked like the game was somewhat physical, like a big 10 basketball game would be. And this guy, I got to tell you, Chris Collins with where he was in his run at Northwestern, getting that first tournament appearance ever 
And then they dipped off a little bit, and then the administration stayed with them. I think they knew who they were. They knew that they had had their guy for Northwestern basketball with what it is, with what the picture of Northwestern hoops is. And he had this to say about the free throws and how crazy it was. I'm not going to go into the officiating. You know, we have great officiating. Um, I just don't know if I've ever seen a, a box score like that, honestly. I've been, you know, you guys, I don't know, you guys have been doing this too. A lot of you guys have been covering. I don't know if you've ever seen a disparity like that in a Big Ten game, um, which is like Purdue. Obviously, we were fouling that much. I mean, I feel like we're aggressive, though, too. You know, I felt like, I mean, Boo Booey doesn't shoot a free throw in the game. That's it's kind of crazy. Um, but that's how the game's called. I mean, I'm not, it's, it's, and you got to live with it. I mean, that's why, that's why I was so proud of my guys. I mean, if you're down 50 at the free throw line and you Take, you have a shot at the buzzer. So, I mean, you almost have to play perfect. It is as an impressive of a loss as you're going to find out there with uh, Purdue beat Northwestern 105-96. I completely agree with you. The way they played and the way they overcame that just, that just insane differential on, at the free throw line is insane. Um, but I, I really love the way that he's constructed that team and really has – resurrected his tenure at Northwestern because for a hot second there, it looked like Chris Collins was going to be on his way out. There just really wasn't a, a bright light at the end of the tunnel for him. No pun intended with Purdue being discussed here, uh, but really was looking like it was going to come to an end. And then uh, last year, put a great year together, goes to the tournament, and then he's probably going to do it again this year. Uh, just the funniest psychopath in the sport. I think he's up there with Dan Hurley in terms of the guys that can just absolutely it was, it was lose great. it. He just chose to get ejected. There was no time left because there was a a missed call on, I I don't know if it was Gillis or might have been Ethan Morton who drove the baseline. There was a a Lance Jones where he did, he was like, Lance Jones, the defender. He definitely hooked the defender. Definitely hooked the defender. Northwestern's guy looked like an illegal guarding position. And look, you're, everything's heightened, right? You know, Northwestern's going to play top notch defense because that's all they have left. They're down three, they don't have the ball. It looked like an offensive foul for sure that should have been. Northwestern ball down three with you know 10 or 12 seconds to go, whatever. Didn't get the call, seemed to be par for the course for the day. And when Purdue made their final free throws that essentially ended it, right as it hit zeros, Chris Collins just went over to the ref. I forget who was refing in yeah, that it was case. Courtney Green. Courtney Green. He goes over to Courtney and just I think <laughs> he gives him everything. Several F bombs. Yes. Like, oh, what a effing joke you were today, right? Gives him a piece <laughs> of his mind, gets tossed, and he's going nuts, going crazy, but he still fights his way over to Matt Painter for the handshake and fights his way over to Zach Eady <laughs> for a hug. That's what Collins and does. And then he's the pumping fa- up the crowd <laughs> as he leaves. He's pumping up the Mackie Arena crowd as he I leaves. Mean, I mean, you can find viral photos uh, of where he's like crawling uh, on the court, upset in games and past where he just has a complete meltdown. But I, I get it. If you ask the average coach in the Big Ten, they'd probably say the two referees that are polarizing in the way they call games are Courtney Green and Kelly Pfeiffer, who, if you remember Kelly Pfeiffer correctly, he was the one that had to stare down with Farron McCaffrey last year uh, during that epic Iowa comeback over Michigan State. But it's, man, it was an epic way to go out, and I'm glad I caught it live. All right, as we continue to go along here, we break down the Buckeyes. There's a bigger battle the team is fighting right now than maybe just trying to win games on the court. We'll tell you what that is next. You're locked into Mad About Hoops. All college basketball, all the time. You're listening to Mad About Hoops. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. 
Timmy Hall and my college hoops loving friend, Evil Bald Colin. We have made it to the month of February, and hopefully that's a better month for Buckeye basketball because January, like last year's January, was none too good. So the record is what the record is. And the overall record is still to a point where it's not like last season. It's just that does anybody believe with what they've got in the room right now and how they have played that they can go and beat anybody on the road? Mm -hmm. And I maybe see some wins that they can grab at home and a couple could be coming well, up. But Mar those, those Indiana wins. they could get, right? Rutgers they could get at home. Or no, Rutgers that's they play on the, on the road. road, and that's the last game of the season. I believe. Do they have Maryland at home? I'm trying they to do. It's, okay. Indiana and Maryland are in the same two-pack so coming up here. What's funny is the three games I think you're referring to in, in terms of thinking they can win are home games that are quad three games. So at the end right. of the day, that, what does they're that do really for not resume? helpful. No. Right. The, I, I agree. So I agree. Have, so before the Iowa game, you have 10 games remaining in the regular season. Seven of them, I think, uh, this was the last time I looked, it might have changed depending on how the net rankings have changed recently. But at the time, there were seven remaining top two quadrant games, and there was three in the, the quad three section. And you named it. The Indiana game, the Michigan game, and the Maryland game were in those quad threes. And those are really the only ones I say I could say confidently, yeah, I think they could actually really win those games. The other seven, it's it, it's a top, it's a toss-up, or I just don't feel confident at all. If they're three and seven. three, They could be three and eight as we're doing this. in Big Ten play without a road win. So, yeah, it's not just winning games. It's winning the right games and the Illinois game was the right game that you needed to win. And you could just see as, as hard as they played at spots through that game, their big guys were terrible in that one. They were kind of frozen out of the, of the game. They went smaller a little bit. Felix and Zed couldn't hack it against those guys. And if Bruce Thornton is going to be in any kind of slump at all, you're just doomed. You had 20 pieces from Jamison battle and Roddy Gale. Roddy Gale came back up and was more aggressive, more assertive, can't hit the outside shot. But if you're getting 20s from those two guys and, you know, Evan Mahaffey hit some of his cross-key shots or getting some more from him down there, but it's just not enough right now for the Buckeyes. And there's something else now, too. Well, I Something else. Before we get to that, I just want to bring this up with Bruce Thornton because, honestly, I want to be completely honest with it. At what point do we start analyzing this as not just a slump? This is just a, a, a rise in quality competition from the non-conference, which is – be honest with it, it wasn't very good, not ranked in the top 100 in non-conference schedules, changing over to Big Ten play. Well, he's a 16-a-game guy. I mean, his his scoring average has plummeted significantly Compared, since yeah. he was a 20-a-game guy earlier on. And you, you saw a high-level Bruce against an Alabama, right? And that was yes. earlier in the year, and right. it's caught up with him. But he was a 10-point-per-game guy. as a true freshman that logged a lot of minutes. So this is the the natural progression of a basketball player. But clearly, he's looking to hit another wall, like in the middle of his sophomore season. Yeah, that's fair. I'd like to believe that there's still a great player there in Bruce Thornton. Absolutely. He's, I just he's wonder not if, my issue overall. Like I just with feel like the non-conference I just feel like the non-conference set a different expectation than what I think he's ready for in it, the second season. No, clearly it did. Yeah. That that's the thing that happens to that's the thing that's been happening to this team each of the last two years is you can't really I think it's got to it's more big picture, too, because you could talk about how they were young last year, and a lot of those guys are still younger than most of the other teams they play. Well, then, don't you have to at some point make a decision to not be young and exactly. hit, hit the portal exactly. in a certain way to where you can supplement that? Because there's just, like it or not, right, 
there's no time. Things are the way that they are, and the fan base is fractured, and they're not going to the games anymore, and there's no buzz or excitement. So there's there is just no time. And I I agree with it. Yeah, you're you're likely not going to beat that Illinois team. They're just too good, too old, and too good. And they get a guy like we talked about Purdue. Didn't they have two Southern Illinois guys that went out into the ether? Is Jones from Purdue so from Jones, Southern Illinois? Jones is, yes. And then, um, and then Marcus Damask, yes. who is one of the best players in the conference yes. the way he is right now. Illinois got that guy. And then you get him with Terrence Shannon Jr. You got Coleman Hawkins, who's older. Look how good they are. Our Zed Key, who's older, has just not been as impactful of right. a guy on both ends of the floor. I mean, we could spend this whole show talking about the roster construction. And while I don't necessarily agree with how it's been done, how you go youth go hard into the freshman pool when you're recruiting and then getting guys that supplement through the portal. I think if you were doing that, you need to go more of like a Dalton connect who landed big time players who's going to be able to lead you as a senior and be a guy you can focus on. I I like Jamison battle. You need another one. Yeah. You need another one of him to start. He's got a good role, but he can't, I don't think you can lean on him as being your number one guy. And that's the issue. Yeah. And he's, he's shown the ability to hit shots and everything, but it's, it's more than that, and and here's here's what it is now. Andy Anders put put the numbers down on eleven Warriors to give it a good look, and you certainly have felt every bit of this. But the the Illinois game had just over ten thousand announced attendance. I, I was there until that the first half, and I think it was ac- about accurate, maybe slightly below ten thousand for butts and seats. But the average attendance is ten thousand five hundred. So that was about the average for a top 15 game. I know it was a Tuesday night, but we just, I mean, I know you can't really compare it, but Purdue basketball is just, it's insane. It's absolutely insane what their market is, what the passion is, and the team that they've had dictates that a little bit more. But even when Purdue sucks, they still have that kind of town there in West Lafayette where they're always showing up. But the problem is, is that's the, that's the lowest Average attendance in the history of Value City Arena. The history of the arena. And that goes back to 98-99. Do you know what the lowest attendance was before this in the history of the Schottenstein Center? Uh, It wasn't the year before, was it? It was the year before. (laughs) It was the year before. And that that was was up over 12,000 at least, which isn't great for an 18,000-seat arena. But now it's a 13.5% fall from that, so and that's including an average uh, year one under Thad, which understandable they were they weren't allowed to go to the tournament that year, had some issues going on with that. And I know the pandemic exploded, happened. But, the pandemic happened, but when you couple the pandemic and maybe some people, you know, changing their habits of what they can buy and you know purchasing tickets and costs rise of costs that are out there, but sure, all in all, you know, we've seen other programs and other arenas fill up again and, you know, passion and excitement for teams get it back. And this is just a, it's a slog right now, CB. It's a slog, man. It's just, uh, it, it really is an explanation of the fans are going to speak with their ability to go to the game or their yeah. interest in yeah. in the product. And when the product isn't up to standard, they're going to respond. And I, I don't blame fans one bit for that. And Honestly, I, I hope for better for them because this is just, it, it's hard to watch. I mean, un, unfortunately, I, I find myself watching and, and consuming more Dayton product. And Dayton played a great game against George Washington the same night as that Illinois game. But it's like, 
do I want to watch a Dayton team that's going to handle their business, look really good doing it, and has a good star in Deron Holmes, or do I want to watch the product that Ohio State's putting out right now? And I can't blame fans like myself that are going in the Dayton direction. I want to find out what uh, Evil Bald Collins' favorite college basketball uniform is of the of the past and of the present. And this was something very, very stupid that we saw in the sport of basketball this past week. That and more coming up. You're locked in to Mad About Hoops. One of these men is evil and bald. The other one is Timmy Hall swinging his meat bat. You're listening to Mad About Hoops on The Fan. Timmy Hall, Evil, Bald Colin. It is Mad About Hoops. We thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast. You're always getting the full product. If you're listening to the replay on the fan on Saturday morning, we appreciate it. Go and download Mad About Hoops anywhere you get your audio. You're going to get it right when the podcast is released so you won't miss a thing. Now, I send CB an Instagram over a couple days ago because that's what people do now in, in 2024. I love it, by the way. How much doom scrolling do you do? Like when the day is done, you and the uh, girlfriend, are you fi- fiance now? Girlfriend, not, fiance? Not yet. Not yet. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, doom scrolling is a very specific term. Um, I think I do it more when Ohio State loses a basketball game. Honestly, <laughs> I'm not talking about, you know, even sports related. I'm just talking about you're on your Instagram app and you're just looking for anything that hits and then you send it over to your significant other who's either upstairs or at the other side of the couch and you just yeah. laugh about it. Don't you have, I mean, I, I, we, we sometimes share messages with, but like me and beam, me and beam like hit each other like three, four times a day. He likes to send me that Stavi dude. You know, that comedian who loves the Ravens. Maybe you don't know him. I hate the guy and he keeps shoving no. him down my throat. But uh, anyway, I send you the photo of a bunch of old college basketball players And it was from ESPN's and uh, ESPN College Game Day's account. And all the caption says is had to be there. And it's showing images of guys with humongous basketball shorts, which we weren't that far from when this was happening. I mean, you can go to like, I mean, Ohio State's on here. You got William Buford is on here. And the shorts are just humongous. I oh, think we yeah. can find Evan Turner also partaking in the gigantic shorts. Yeah, that 2000s. I mean, I'm sure the, the photo you're referring to is around the 0203 season. So, yeah, as you started to get to the back half of the 2000s, it wasn't as bad as the St. Bonaventure photo. But, yeah, with Ohio State and you named it Buford and Turner, they were still rather long and baggy. This might be Quinn Cook for Duke. He's got baggy shorts. Steph Curry at Davidson really had the baggy shorts. And John Wall. And then, yes, the famous St. Bonaventure picture where this player, I mean, is wearing a dress. I've never seen anything like it. Marquez Green. Marquez Green basically has got Jinko jeans to manufacture (laughs) some basketball shorts for the Bonnies. And they're they're down to his ankles. I don't get it. I don't know how you could dribble a ball. You can't dribble it you can't between, dribble your between your legs. It would get caught. Yeah, the ball would be gone. But it had us thinking. We we're not we're certainly not subscribing to shorts like that. I'm I'm more in the the regular length shorts. Not like it's got to be you know hugging things, but just regular length shorts. That's kind of where we've gone in modern basketball these days. I think we found a happy medium, right? Yeah. We're not John Stockton, but we're also (laughs) a far cry from that. We're above the knee. I think we've settled in at Michael Jordan length where you could possibly wear compression shorts and 
the compression shorts might peak out below the line of the short, depending well, I, on how I you're think moving. The, the vibe now, at least in basketball, it seems like everyone's doing the, uh, you're either wearing the full-legged uh, two-leg tights or the one-leg tight. Yeah, that's right. The tights, that's the thing. Yeah. You go Angel Reese and just wear one and right. color code it. I didn't really or understand. Or just wear both. Yeah, I didn't really understand the whole thought process behind that, but you know what? I'll let them live. How about a Justin Aaron's sleeve? The, like, shooting sleeve? The shooting sleeve. Yeah, well, I mean, you could even go back to, like, uh, Jared Solinger when he was wearing, like, double sleeves. I still don't understand what that was all about. But. Double sleeves. We've had guys that have had to wear, like, shoulder braces, and that's yeah. more for, you know. Well, I mean, Rip, Zeke, ha- Rip Zeke, Hamilton wore his mask even after his face was reconstructed. Yeah, and Zeke had to do it last year at the end of the season. So... Let me let me hear from you while we're talking about the, the college basketball apparel and ridiculously baggy shorts. But just just in a, a straight up uniform discussion, what college basketball uniform is at the top of your list, past well, or present? Well, at the top of my list is one thing, but I do want to go on a little bit of a mini ramp because I understand why Ohio State has the uniforms they do now or what's considered their standard home and away. But the fact that not only is one pair of throwbacks better, but there's now two pairs of throwbacks that are better than what's considered the oh, standard baby. jersey. You're scratching me where I itch. It's ridiculous. I've said this before. The Jimmy Jackson Grays or the script Buckeyes in any way, shape, or form has to be the those, standard. Those what, should what be your three uniforms. Yes. You could have three, right? Like You have the whites, reds, or scarlets. And then your alternate, the grays. I'm 100% there. The Jim Jackson grays, phenomenal, right? You do sweat a little through those. I get that. You got like the ace sweat that shows up. Can't wear it every time. Whatever, whatever. Maybe you double up on the compression shorts and that works. But the the icy white script Buckeyes and then the script. It's phenomenal. It's one of the best uniforms in college basketball. We got that at least. So I'm with you. I'm with you. But for me, a a couple old ones that that I love just throughout my years. I think UConn really hits. I can yeah. remember growing up in the 90s with, you know, Rip Hamilton, who I just men- mentioned, uh, Khalid El Amin, Khaled El Amin. Just great. Great shorts. The basketball shorts won. I feel like any college hoops fan in school had a pair of UConn shorts. I thought the Maryland Terp stuff was great. The Gary the Williams Grievous teams. Vasquez? Yeah, Grievous Vasquez or even before the Steve Blake okay. eras. Okay. Just great with the the turtle kind of poking around, the M, the block M there. I would say uh, Georgetown Hoyas gear. Yeah. That sort of Argyle one. pattern on the side of the short. That was huge. Iverson era. And for a wild card, because my pop-up would buy me stuff that made no sense, absolutely no sense, for where I was a kid in Northern Virginia growing up. I had a St. John's Red Storm shirt. <laughs> and it had, you know, the that 1990s era logo, had like the like a lightning bolt, I think, possibly, with like the bird there. Right. And their shorts, I'm looking at a pair of theirs online from the mid-90s, they're just phenomenal. I, I just think it's a great color with the white, red, and some of the gold splashed in there. It, it really is just beautiful stuff. Yeah, I, I think my number one, and I think it's a very easy one if you've seen any highlights of Larry Bird in college, but it was the 70s uh, Indiana State Sycamores jersey. Oh, the- the state of Indiana's the out or the outline of the state. I know it. I functions know it. as the eye in it. It's it's beautiful. Powder blue. Powder blue. Anything powder blue is just something that that resonates, and it's very different from Carolina blue. 
Make that yes, clear. That's true. I, I do love this embrace, and I don't know if they have a jersey for it yet, but I, I love this embrace from Kansas State to adopt the lavender look. I think it looks very sharp mm. and everything they've done recently, but I know you're a Kansas eh. guy. Not, nothing that the Wildcats do I, could you, ever be yeah, good. But It'd be a nice move if you came in here one day wearing a Kansas State shirt for we'll see, me. We'll see if we'll have to do that. <laughs> um, I, I just keep on going down my list. Uh, unfortunately... I do think the Fab Five era Michigan jerseys are top tier. Uh, what's what's different? Have they ever really changed though? Was it the yeah, way that it was, the, it was, the it was the massive M, bigger with the small M, smaller? Michigan. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was different, and they they did break it out. I believe in the Ohio State Michigan game in Ann Arbor this year, uh, and some sneaky ones. Obviously Loyola when they made their run in the tournament uh, a couple years ago was really sharp looking. And then the beach for Long Beach State. I think they've changed them recently, but they're just the beach jersey. I always thought was pretty cool. Well, uh, the beach, is that is phenomenal. That really is. The the fact that they just changed the name, too, just accepted it, (laughs) embraced it. What's your nickname? Beach. Yeah, that's your nickname is Beach. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, wave, beach, sand. That's what we got. So we apologize to the wives and girlfriends as dudes are going to go out there and now spend, you know, three to $500 on college basketball apparel. So it's a really easy thing to do. If you're not careful, (laughs) it's our mistake, but it's probably going to happen. Didn't mention the uh, stupid thing we saw. We'll touch on that. And CB is looking forward to a game that's coming up on the schedule. That's coming your way. You're listening to mad about hoops. All the college basketball talk you can handle. You're listening to Mad About Hoops. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Oh, Timmy, looking at this week ahead, and thanks again for listening to our Saturday crew. Mad About Hoops, Saturday mornings after an Ohio State win or lost to Iowa. <laughs> we still don't know yet as of this recording, but... um, eh, I think we do. <laughs> we, we might, but... Um, man, just looking at the schedule this weekend, I know we'll get into the road trip meter later, but honestly, the hack for I just this, do it now. the hack, the hack for just this, go right week, in, man. Yeah, well, the, do it. the hack for this weekend for the road trip meter is you save your money. You buy yourself a great lunch or dinner at home and you just watch the, all the games this weekend. I mean, you just stay home. You could, because oh, man, that's a, that's a. Even a bigger Midwestern uh, but, move. But just don't I, go anywhere. But I mean, the triple header you've got going on this weekend is insane. With uh, you, you got Kansas and Houston, you've got Duke, North Carolina, you got uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, which honestly you could put that Kentucky game on the road trip meter if you were able to spend the money to go down to that trip. But uh, no, it's going to be a great weekend of games, honestly. So when is the Cincy game coming up for you? That's that's not till the beginning of oh, March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a. I, I I spoke ahead. It's not a. It's not one for this weekend, but something that will be in a later right. road trip meter that might you know be you know buzzing at like an eight or a nine because of just the game quality <laughs> and you're in the state of Ohio, so right. it's a quick drive. It's a. I think that's looking like a Saturday night game, right? Yes. 7 o'clock p.m. So that's beautiful. I, I, uh, I haven't hidden the fact that I'm very fond of Jerome Tang. I would yeah, like to yeah. I would like to be a fan of his or a team he coaches one day. Uh, but he's currently coaching the Kansas State Wildcats. A little bit of a tougher season. Uh, some of the portal additions have not worked out. And then there was an issue with a player that's now at Memphis that was supposed to be on the roster earlier this year but did not work out. But they will be at Cincinnati the weekend that Tim's referring to. Uh, I did think about getting myself one of those lavender 
Kansas State quarter zips and going down to Cincinnati to see that game. It's a free weekend for me. Uh, and I know you would not be too fond of me bringing that quarter zip in here, but it would be a fun little uh, March Madness rivalry thing we could get going. We see the this weekend is a free weekend, you know. Oh, it absolutely and that's, is. That's what you're looking for, but unfortunately, there's not a ton to get around to because of you know where teams are. You had Dayton play a Friday night game, right. you know, so uh, right. Dayton's already played the Bonnies, and maybe. Maybe St. Bonaventure busted out the the shorts that are as long as long pants. <laughs> they should. But that uh, hopefully was Dayton at 17-3, and 7-1 in the A-10 going into it. Got things back in order right there. But we're always looking at the MAC, right? We're always looking at MAC. But then again, one of the teams that I really would want to see in the big game was Akron-Toledo, another Friday night game that may have already happened as you're listening to this podcast. I mean, Huge for, game. For, for me on Saturday, if we're looking for like mid-major stuff, I would probably go to the Drake and Indiana State game over in Terre Haute. Oh, Is it Terre Haute or Terre Haute? I think you say that T. I think it's Terre Haute. Terre Haute. Terre Haute. Okay. I knew a guy who was a, a golf coach at Indiana State once upon a time. Wow. Terre, Haute, Terre Haute, Indiana. Small world. But yes, Terre Haute, Indiana will be the Sycamores and Drake uh, that's a big game for purposes of the Missouri Valley Conference. And, man, I can't wait for Arch Madness to come. Uh, it's going to be wide open. You got another Saturday afternoon game, which I ch- I checked out the arena, and it is very nice, very pretty place to watch a game at Bowling Green at the Stroh. They're 6-3 and three in the MAC, and Central Michigan is 7-2, and two, and that's a 5 o'clock Saturday matinee. So a quick drive, easy to do, about about two hours or so. And uh, that's what you got there. That put that. I know like you a never went six to or uh, seven. I know you never went to BYU. You were in the area with obviously You're right. Ogden. I, I didn't see what the the arena there, which is huge. Danny Ainge's number hangs in the rafters. Right. That place seats more than twenty thousand. Yeah, it's massive, massive right. place. Uh, but they they are on the road actually at West Virginia. That's a top twenty five BYU team. That's a very weird team this year. They're always seemingly to be ranked. They had a pretty good non conference, but. Uh, Big 12 life has not been easy or kind on them, but they look like a team that's going to be someone you have to pay attention to in March. West Virginia does always hit on the the road the road trip meter. They and most do. likely they you're going to see Bob Huggins there. He's seemingly at every single game. Let me let me tell you about this real quick. Sent you a little uh, tweet thing, and the the level of basketball is not significant, but this was a a high school girls basketball game, and it is St. Joe's and. Is it Magnificat? You familiar with either of these programs? Yeah, Northern so Ohio, I, right? I knew a, a bunch of people in college from Magnificat. It's, they call them Mags, right? Uh, yes, to my knowledge, if I remember correctly. But yes, uh, you're going to talk about one of the biggest issues in Ohio high school the, basketball, yeah, the, in my opinion. The, team, the teams aren't important in this one. Just just listen to the situation yes. and how this is. It's a joke. It's an, it's an embarrassment. I feel like... Uh, Samuel L. Jackson in the movie Coach Carter, right? He has a line where he says, I'm not going to let you take the game that I love, right? And it says something. You can't do this to the game that we love. So seven and a half minutes, which is still eight-minute quarters, right, in high school ball? The whole quarter. The whole fourth quarter. Yeah, that sounds right. It's just a 15-point margin. It's just a 15-point margin. It's not one of these BS games where someone – is you know up by 120 and you hate to see that for competitive sake it's not good for anybody when a game goes that way but no it's a 49 34 game and the leading team just dribbles the ball out just stands in the corner and dribbles the ball out and what does the defending team do nothing just holds everybody back it's just a joke it's just a waste of everybody's time i i hate that aspect of it but i also think 
you've got to do something at this point in time. It doesn't have to be the 35-second shot clock that they have in college hoops. Or is it 30? Where, where are we, 30 or 35? Uh, we are at 30. We're at 30. Used, yeah, we're at 30. I think it used, used to, to be 35, 35, and then they brought it down. Well, you could go 45 for high school hoops' sake, just because there's a little bit more of that strategy involved, and I don't care. It just needs to be something, and that's a shame. That any game would go that way that's only barely a double-digit margin, wow, what a waste of time. Yeah, it's just a disservice, and I, I get the argument on the other side of things. Well, you need to go play defense, play, play up on them, but... At the same time, we're just kind of defeating the purpose of the game when a team thinks they can kind of, you know, control a game like this and and not actually play the purpose of the game. So I, I'm with you. There's they they got to find some way to answer for this because there's other states that have been able to. All right, CB. Well, I guess we just finished with the the stupid. That's maybe says a lot about us, right? Oh, by the way, <laughs> we do have to finish with uh, wishing a happy birthday to our fictional coach, Norman Dale, AKA Gene Hackman this what? week on January 30th. He had turned 94 years old. Gene Hackman is 94. That's right. Wow. I've seen you guys shoot. It's about fundamentals and defense. <laughs> Can the Buckeyes find a new level of defense? Maybe they should just watch squad. Hoosiers on the way over to Iowa. Just watch Hoosiers all the time. That's right. You know, just keep watching. What a great basketball flick. Somewhere back in our feed, in our podcast feed, there is a, a moving screen edition. Yeah. Yes, which is what we did a movie review, and we never did blue chips like we said we would, but we had our friend Chops. We do need the coordinate and Daniel. With Chops. Yeah. yeah, we had uh, some of our movie buff friends from around the station that talked about it with us. But anybody uh, or everybody... Have a great week. Enjoy the hoops coming up, CB. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Tim. Can't wait for this weekend. Absolutely. And remember, everybody, make your free throws.